Hello everyone and welcome to The Femaling Show. I am your host Nicole Goodman and I'm a woman's identity expert and coach. As women we fall into three phases of identity through our adult life and during these our challenges can look pretty similar. Now regardless of what cycle of life you fall into, whether you are from the age of 24 to 32, 32 to 40 or 40 to 50 plus, here at Femaling I will be talking to you about the real issues we all face and secretly struggle with. Through honest conversation, you will learn how to accept yourself, understand yourself, and be yourself. Now let the femaling adventure begin. Hello and welcome back to the brand new series of femaling. I am so excited to be back here with you for season four. Yes, season four can you believe it and this season is set to be more empowering more insightful and even more honest I promise you that as you know my mission here at Femaling is to create space through honest conversation for us women to accept themselves understand themselves and absolutely and most importantly be themselves so who better to kick off this brand new season and none other than Deborah Josie Deborah is the editor-in-chief of Glamour mother of three children, wife, pug lover, and an, uh, just a true champion and supporter of women. Deborah, through her publication, is changing the way us women see ourselves, and she is smashing all the rules for how beauty and females are supposed to be, and expected to be. Deborah, welcome to Femaling. Thank you for having me, Nicole. I'm very excited to be here. I love this podcast. Oh, thank you. I was so thrilled when you agreed. I was thrilled. To be here. So, And off the top, I just want to say how empowered I felt reading this this season's edition of Glamour. I felt empowered beyond measure and propelled forward to be thoroughly myself. And I, I just absolutely loved every word that was in there was just speaking to me and telling me to show up and be who I am. And the one message that jumped out at me is how Glamour is creating the space for women to discover who they really are. And not from old societal expectations, but by being really brave and stepping into the discovery of how that looks different for each individual woman. And now the time is to celebrate yourself for exactly as you are, and I just loved it. So can you say a bit more about this message and how conscious it was for you and your readers to walk away with? Um, well, firstly, thank you. I'm, I love the fact you loved it so much. I did, I really uh, loved it. We worked it. really hard on it, and, and the messaging was very conscious. Um, when I took over as editor of Glamour, almost two years ago to the day, um, my company, Condé Nast, wanted to pivot it from being a general women's lifestyle title to a beauty first title. And so the, the conversation, a lot of my thinking was, well, what does beauty mean to me? What mm. does beauty mean to other women? Um, and is it just the lipstick choice that we make? For example, you always wear red lipstick. I, I love red lipstick, but I never wear it because when I was younger, I was told that if you wear too much makeup you won't be taken seriously at work. I mean, that messaging now is the most ridiculous thing to ever think that was even a thing. But I've spoken to other women but, my age, I'm 45, yeah. and they've, they've said the same. And I very much still... So you carried that through yes, your whole adult yes, life? Yes, till now. I've only recently started wearing, I'd say, more obvious makeup since I started at Glamour because I have access to so many great lipsticks yeah. and makeup. Um, but previously, no, I always went for a natural look because I didn't think I'd be taken seriously enough. And so the conversation around beauty was very much, you know, who is the woman, what, what drives a woman to even go to the counter to buy the red lipstick? What are her influences? Is it her mother? Yes, definitely. Is it her peers? Is it her school? Is it the magazines that she's reading? 
what are the influences that lead us to make the beauty choices and not just about beauty the way we feel about our body and mm. also our mental health I think also what takes a woman to the beauty counter and carries her choices are her insecurities and like you said just how she sees herself and sometimes in a negative way and yes makeup and beauty is an incredibly empowering place to be and it's an incredibly empowering act I've been in the hair and beauty industry all my adult life and I've made a very nice career out of it but it can also be where a woman can hide behind. I've never hidden behind my beauty choices. I've always hidden behind my hair. Um, because, um, again, I've only recently thought about this, but my mum's Iranian. And for Iranian women, I think, to have been taken seriously, they wanted to be more westernised. So they always straighten their hair. Right. So my mum was straightening my hair, I think, from the age of five. I mean, I've got a scar on my hand from my hair. To prove it. Dryer burn. <laughs> to prove it. And um, the first thing I did this morning was have a shower and blow my hair straight because I knew you were coming. And <laughs> I did the same, by the did way. You? Yeah, oh, of they, well, did you? There you go. I mean, of course I did. Yeah. I wouldn't ever go out of the house no, no. without blow drying my no. hair, ever. Yeah. And I do wonder if that's me empowering <laughs> myself or that's just me hiding behind what my hair really... It doesn't really matter. I think it just makes me feel good. I don't. Yeah. It really just makes me feel good. I can't concentrate and on my I hair can't concentrate. Yes, me too. <laughs> I feel the same. Oh, it's, yeah, I can't. So one of the main reasons that I wanted you to come on is, of course, your voice, which is an incredibly important one, just due to your position and your lifestyle. And, you know, you're the absolute epitome of a modern woman and you're doing everything that a modern woman is kind of expected to do on paper. Um, and I read in your magazine about your article called Living Your Best 70% Life. I did get that title right, didn't I? Yeah, Living yeah, your best yeah. 70 yeah. life. Yeah. yeah, you did. Um, and I was so moved by it, Deborah, because it was honest, it was heartfelt. And could you just tell us more about what inspired it and what it, what it was about, the article? Well, when I started at Glamour, my kids were really young. My youngest was two. I had a four-year-old and a six-year-old. And I, I really struggled. I wasn't sleeping at night. I was waking up at four o'clock in the morning sometimes, going to work, having been awake since four. I felt like I wasn't, I felt like I was failing mm. the pressure at work to do well. I was redesigning a website. I was hiring a new team. I was redesigning the magazine. And at the same time, I was trying to manage my children. I was trying to be a good wife. I was trying to be a good friend. And honestly, I felt I was failing at all of it and I was really anxious and it got to the point that my husband said to me either you sort yourself out or you have to quit this job because you can't continue like this you know he and I were arguing a lot a lot of it was to do with um, childcare. I'd had two years off on maternity leave so he'd really got used to me running the kids in the house and when I went back to work I found myself still doing that job of fully running yeah. the kids in the house. Yeah, yeah two full-time two, jobs Two full-time jobs yeah. and actually my husband is incredibly hands-on, he's a very hands-on father and he's a, you know, he's hands-on in the kitchen as well but when it comes... Perfect man. I know he's, <laughs> he is, I'm lucky, I've done well um, but you know when it came to like planning the kids it was all left to me yeah. and I, and he kept saying to me you know just tell me what to do and I'll do it and I said I don't want you to t I don't want to have to yeah. tell you what to do I don't want to have to even think it's about it it's the mental it. load it's the take, mental load take away the mental yeah. load please my, my mind was ahead. exploding the yeah. mental load yeah. and in the end he understood what I was saying so he joined the school whatsapp group so he then knows when PE is and stuff like that so it's not just me having to think yeah. about oh, when they need the Roman yes, costume and all yes, that yeah all of that kind of yeah. stuff and and that really helped with the mental load and it also helped us find a balance between us 
he's always been very supportive of me working. He's got a very successful mother, a very successful sister, mm-hmm. and he has a very great has a great relationship with his mum. So his view when I used to say, Oh, but what about the kids? I'm not gonna be here in the evening for them. He said, Well, my mum wasn't there for me and I've got the best relationship oh, with her I could ever yeah. wish for. So he's never worried about that. And I now no longer worry about it either. That's brilliant. Um, but it's taken me a couple of years to get to that stage where actually I want to set an example to them. I want them to see me working. Um, but also on the other side, and that's what this article was about, that's my choice to work. Yeah. And I don't think we should feel guilty if we don't want to work. I don't feel we should feel that we have to be this perfect woman who's doing it all at the same time. You know, my best friend gave up work for eight years and she's just gone back to work because her kids are a little bit older and that's worked perfectly for yeah, her. Yeah. And I, she never felt guilty. She enjoyed every minute of those eight years with her children. I'm so pleased to hear that yes. a woman doesn't feel guilty no, about something. No, she didn't. She didn't. She loved Good it. Good for her. I she want to meet her. It. Yeah, she was amazing. She <laughs> yeah. loved it. And it's just really, I feel we're all so busy worrying that we're not doing what yeah. we're meant to be doing. Or we're not doing enough. And we're not doing Or we're doing enough. too much. Yes. So um, so what was the point, the breaking point for you that you thought, I just, I can't carry on like this anymore? Well, I came home one Friday night, and actually I don't work now Friday afternoons at all, but I came home on Friday night, I think it was six or seven o'clock. I was absolutely exhausted I hadn't slept for days the pressure at work it was was really difficult we were relaunching Glamour and it was coming to the relaunch and I walked through the door and all I wanted to do was go to bed and go to sleep and my three my think she was three at the time my three-year-old was lying in the hallway of my house screaming because she used to throw horrific and still does quite bad tantrums it's just she's always done it yeah and um and so she was screaming and then my husband was like what's for dinner (laughs) and I just turned around and I walked out the door and I got in my car and I drove around for two hours and I texted and said I'm not coming home for dinner I just need some time to myself and um I just I was even going to go book in a hotel I needed some space mental space to myself to think and I felt I had no time for myself at all um, even when I was so excited to come home and see my family, that's what I was faced with, which is reality. Kids yeah. scream, husband wants dinner. That's, scream. that's, that's yeah. normality. But for me, it was just the last straw. Yeah. And that's when he said to me after that, enough's enough, you have to do something. And um, what I started doing, and I did it just in my own head. I never told anybody about it. I started consciously dropping balls. I just thought, that's it. I can't do it all. I'm not going to do it all. I, I mean, I, I, I uh, just love this. Yeah, I just I thought, just... I can't do it. I'm not, I'm not apologising. Yeah. I'm going to have to stop seeing a lot of my friends. Yeah. I'm going to have to stop worrying about the fact that I haven't lost my baby weight yet, even though my ch- youngest is three. I'm just going to be the size I am. I'm not going to worry about not going to the gym all the time. I'm not going to make plans at the weekend anymore. I'm going to have whole weekends free with no plans whatsoever and just see what happens and be a little bit more spontaneous. I'm going to start saying no a lot more and I just started doing that. And That just, is so brave. Deborah. Just having weekends with no plans was revelationary to me because I felt like, as well as working and being a great mum, I also had to have a great social life at the weekend and see all my friends. And it was pressure. It's just pressure, life pressures. Life isn't pressure. It? No, I just stopped doing. So it. how did it? So how did it go down? Like because it's it's an incredibly brave way to live, and mm. one I totally admire and respect, by the way. But I think sometimes when we stand in our bravery and we stand in what's true for us, there are you know certain things in our life or certain people in our life where it doesn't it doesn't go down well. 
Um, a couple of friends have got really upset with me. In fact, more than a couple, a handful have got really upset with me saying, we never see you anymore, yeah. you don't bother, have I annoyed you? And I've just had to say to them, I'm really sorry, I have to be really selfish. I have to spend this time with my husband and my children. And obviously, if it's a special birthday or an event, I will make the effort always to go. Yeah. But there are some friends I've just not seen really for the past year and a half. And they're really dear friends to me. It's not that I don't care about them, I do. Yeah. But I just had to care about myself and my, sure. my marriage and my children more. And that was my choice. So that's my 70% choices. And the things that have been left by the wayside, my body shape, um, you know, some of my friendships, they've gone into the 30%. I just can't do it all. And we stay in a lot on Saturday nights. I love it. We get a takeaway. We watch a you know, movie. We watch a Netflix. I've watched every single Netflix series <laughs> ongoing. And, um, You're up to date on your yes, TV. Yes, I am. For any woman that is struggling, I think that this is an incredibly important story and an incredibly important message because we don't have to do it all. And there's one part in your article that you said... Uh, Yet, while I was told that I could be anything I wanted to be, nobody ever explained how to become all the things that you want to be all at the same time. And that piece, I've actually highlighted it because I think that's part of the problem that us women... Get. Can you hear the pugs snoring? No, sorry, it's my pugs so snoring in the <laughs> It's so sweet. Um, I think that's part of women's um, struggles and anxieties is that we think that we have to do it all or we have to be seen to be doing it all in order to feel whole or in order to feel successful or or dare I say it, in order to feel relevant. I think we, we live in this society where it just dictates that we're supposed to do it all and too much. So, so whilst your moment of what's for dinner just threw you into something so much more healthy and you got your self-care so in place, didn't you, that some women might not even know what their self-care looks like. I mean, how did you decide okay, this needs to be in my 70% and this needs to be in my third. That How did you differentiate between the two? Well, I think we all know what's important to us instinctively. I don't think anybody needs to tell you, but then it was breaking down. It wasn't just that. It was like, okay, when I'm with my children, my husband, I'm going to try and be really present. Yeah. And one of those issues was the mobile phone. Oh, I'm, and, and I'm not great at it. I still do it sometimes. Is I'm sitting in the room with my kids and I'm on my phone and I'm emailing or I'm you know, WhatsApping someone at work or reading content. And I really had to try that when I'm present with them, that I'm really with them. Because that's kind of some of the things that was creating bad behaviour in them. They were trying to get my attention. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was really aware of that. Um, I don't know, really. It was more instinctive. I think if I said to you, what's the most important things, what are the most important things in your life, you could tell me straight away. Oh, of course I could. Yeah. And they're exactly the same as yours. Yes. My family. Yeah. My work. And... A, a very small handful of friends. Mm. I mean, but for some people, work's just not in their seventy percent, and that's absolutely that's fine. fine. Yeah. You know, you don't yeah. have to be working and bringing up young children in order to be successful. You can be an incredible mother who gets involved in your school dinners and charities, or uh, you can you can do whatever you want, or you don't have to do all of those or things. Or you can be just, you can just, just be just a fulfilled being a mum, and that's and just wonderful. Being a woman. Wonderful, yeah, great. You know. I, I really questioned where this pressure had come from for me. And I think some of it came from my school. You know, I went to a very feminist school called Manchester High. It was a fantastic school. But Emmeline Pankhurst's daughter went there. So we had this kind of history um, surrounding us that we felt we had to live up to. Yeah. 
this expectation and I thought about it they never ever said anything explicit to us it was almost like they put it in our water but you knew you had to achieve <laughs> have a lot of the people that you're at school with have they got sort of gone on to yes, achieve their yes their, they their really have they really have it's a very high achieving school and I did a talk there the other week and all the women said they felt the same that they were a failure if they didn't have a high um, career success but nobody at school ever said to us um be successful in your career but if you want a family as well this is how you make that work yeah nobody ever said that to us did anyone ever say that to you oh my god no, no. so those messages are only just starting to come yes. out now because we've had to do all that work to be able to have the careers and to be able to have our choices haven't we because we didn't really have them sort of two generations ago and so now we have to try and find okay so the next the next thing we need educating on is, is balance how do we find our balance balance and I love what you're pointing to, that a woman gets to be exactly who she wants to be and how she wants to be. And we don't have to fall into the category of, I've got to do it all. No. Or you can do it, or you can do it all, but at different times. Well, so, as I said with my friend, she spent eight years being a full-time mum. And now she, now her kids are a little bit older. She decided to go back to work. So, she is doing it all, but yeah. she didn't feel she could do it all when her kids were young. And so, she has yeah. actually achieved everything she wanted to achieve, but not necessarily when times were really difficult for her. Um, and that's it. I know loads of people who've retrained when their kids are 17, 18. You know, there's a lady on my road. She retrained when, I think, her youngest left home to go to university. She's retrained as a makeup artist, and she's now doing Bond films. And, oh, my God. Yeah, and that. isn't that incredible? That. So A friend of mine turned around to me the other day, and she wants to do a psychology degree. And she's an amazing teacher, and she really touches children's lives, I have to say. And she said, oh, you know, it's a five-year course. I said, look, you're going to be five years older anyway, so you're going to be 48, <laughs> whatever happens. You might as well do it with a psychology degree. <laughs> there you go. You know, yes. so, but it's, it's a case of fitting it all in. And will that, you know, taking, picking up balls or dropping balls, I think the, quest, the only question is, will it make me happier? And will it make the people around me that I love? happier exactly and that was my thinking exactly so what changed for you what changed emotionally mentally less pressure more headspace wow and also the ability to say no and I'm not apologizing for saying no and I'm not going to feel guilty about it either and the, the dropping of the guilt has been a massive issue for me as I said I no longer have working mum's guilt how did you drop it because guilt's like inbred in a woman I just decided I wasn't going to be it was a conscious decision I'm not going to be guilty my kids are fine. They're gorgeous, rounded human beings. They're mm. deeply loved. They're hugely lucky with what they have in terms of love in this house. And I'm, I'm going to be... A, I think the most important thing for them is to see me happy. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. Yeah. I could have stayed at home and been miserable. So that wouldn't have been good either, you know. No. I, I, they, I thought it was important that they saw me happy because my daughter said to me at that time, Mummy, you really don't like work, do you? And I just, it broke my heart, oh. it really broke my heart. And I said, I do like work, I love work, and that's why I'm doing it. But I'm just finding it a little bit difficult at the moment. Um, and I think it's also really important to show your kids, I mean, especially your girls, I mean, I've got two girls as well, that, you know, we're their main role model as a woman. And I want my kids to know I'm not perfect, oh, because yeah. I don't want them to live up to yeah. this this idea of a perfect, a perfect woman. I mean, that would be the worst... Trust me, they know I'm not perfect. <laughs> yeah. no, well, also, making them feel they don't have to be perfect. You know, they can do what they want to do, but they can and live their best 70, 80%, 40% life. Whatever they choose to do, I think I'm going to really try and support my kids and what their choices are. 
Yes, I love that. There was another. There was another part of the article which um, leads us on to nicely. I feel that I owe it to the next generation and the one after that to be more honest. I have two daughters and a son, and while I'll absolutely tell them that they can do anything and be anything they want to be, that won't mean that they have to be high achieving at absolutely everything. So it's just giving them choice. Yes, choice. To do what they want and be who they want. But you know, every generation of women has different pressures. My mum was told she couldn't have a career because she needed to be a stay-at-home mum. So every generation would give women different messages. Yeah. And so I'm interested to see what the next generation of women, what messaging they're being given, both at school, from their parents. Um, I, I'm totally fascinated yes. by it. Um, and also the next generation of men. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, and how I mean, that's going to... Because actually, I feel quite sorry for men at the moment. Yes, me Not too. that they need my pity. They don't. Mm. But it's hard for them to know where they're supposed to be and what they're supposed to be doing and how they're supposed to show up in the world because everything's changed for them too. Well, I think the most important thing is whatever we're talking about with women, men, we have the same conversations with men. So feminism isn't going to happen or doesn't happen without the support of men. Yep. But equally, men shouldn't feel that they've lost their place in life and society. It should be... It should be a mutually supportive experience. And maybe we've got that balance a little bit wrong in the post-Me Too movement. Men were really getting a terrible time. Even those that were hugely supportive of women were getting a terrible time. But I think moving forward, the way we bring up our boys is just as important in terms of the messaging as how we bring up our girls. Because as I said, I couldn't be doing this job if I didn't have the support of my husband. And it's important that men are brought up with strong women they're not intimidated by strong women. They're willing to take on the, the workload of the house, the domestic duties. You know, they shouldn't just be the realm of the woman. They should also be the realm of the man. I mean, I, more and more women I meet are now the breadwinners. I mean, really, a lot of women I meet now are the breadwinners. Oh, and, I, and I proudly so. Yeah. Um, certainly in journalism and media, I know loads of women who are the breadwinners. And I wonder how that is, what the experience is for the man with that and how comfortable they've had to find themselves or how, they, how they've had to make it for themselves? I don't think there's one answer. I think each yeah. each relationship is different yeah. and each marriage is different and, and people just make the decisions that are best for them at that time. And again, it doesn't have to be like that constantly. Maybe at some point the woman is working. One of my friends, for example, she had a great job. Her husband um, didn't love his job so much at that time. So he gave his job up to go look after the kids. And now they've swapped back again. She's now given up the job. She's looking after the kids. So it doesn't have to be the same the whole way through. Yeah. There was another quote in your magazine. I mean, I couldn't stop writing these things down, which I was going to save to the end, but I'm going to read it out now. Um, there can be a tendency to judge one another's feminism, but I think we need to recognise that prioritising your own happiness Comfort and choice is what feminism is. And that's exactly what you're talking about. Exactly. Exactly. Feminism doesn't have to be, you know, growing your pubic hair and chaining yourself to a gate. It's just about being in choice. Your own choice. I mean, feminism for me just means equality. Yeah. It's just giving women the same opportunities as men have, full stop. Yeah. Beyond that, what they do with those opportunities is completely their choice. But for them not to be given it in the first place, that's where I have an issue. Yeah, well, me too. Yeah. Me too. So I just want to talk about what was in the the magazine uh, about the pubic hair. I mean, because it was just brilliant. Like, I opened it up and there's suddenly like pubic hair in my <laughs> face. Like, what was, what was the meaning behind all of that, Deborah? Um, well, again, it was this conversation around traditional perceptions of beauty and how we've been 
brought up to feel that we, you know, I don't know, I don't know the history of why we've decided to wax, pluck, thread <laughs> every single hair <laughs> under our eyebrows downwards. It's so true, when you look I, at it like that, it's ridiculous. I, I don't know, because men certainly aren't doing it. Um, I don't know no. why we're being asked to do it. And, you know, the conversation around body, hair and feminism is not a new one. But I think for us, it was, why is it still even a conversation? Why have we not got over this that we'd be shocked if we were sat by a pool and someone had a bikini line halfway down a leg? But you would be shocked, Well, you'd be shocked, but why? I I don't know. It annoys me that I would would be shocked. Because that's a woman's expression and she has every right to bring that for herself. I think we'd all slightly recoil. And it's completely ridiculous that we feel that way about it because when a man has back hair, actually I do recoil, so let me just, <laughs> I do recoil, you know, <laughs> but you know, men, men's body hair, you know, it's not always the most attractive thing, but no one bats an eyelid. Where and they don't like, care. They don't care. They just don't care. So why do we care so much and why are we judged so much on something that fundamentally is completely natural? It's the way our bodies work. You know, we have hair on them, full stop. I've spent a fortune getting my legs lasered. You oh, know, I can't absolute even tell you. fortune. Now I'm starting with my 11 year old. She yeah. needs waxing. Yeah, it's some like waxing. Every... I know. And it's so, and you know, I remember, you know, people, I know someone whose daughter was really badly bullied for having hairy arms yeah. um, at school. It's, yeah. it's really sad. Why, why is this when the case? Just, Something's grown from your body. Grown naturally. So we just thought, right, why don't we do a shoot where we ask um, activists um, and models and activists to um, be photographed with their body hair. So um, there was a model who, for example, has a mono brow. She gets a lot of work because of it now, because it is becoming a conversation. Another woman was photographed with her full bikini hair. Um, I mean, it's a it's a hard article to read. It was. It was. And some photographers didn't want to shoot it. You know, three male photographers refused to shoot it because they said that they didn't feel that it was their perception of how they wanted a beauty shoot to look. And finally, we found a female photographer who totally got it. And she was like, I get this. I want to do it. I can't wait. And that that shoot, more than anything, has had the biggest response in the issue, I would say. Wow. Well, I mean, it's... Yeah, it creates a reaction in people. It's so controversial. It was absolutely fantastic. I will say that at first I thought, oh, God, I I don't know if I want to be reading. Like, do I really want to talk, you know, listen to someone who's got her bikini line hanging out? And, again, that's just, you know, society is just telling me that that's wrong. So I have just played into that. But I will say that I finished the article and I felt so, like I said before, I felt so empowered to be myself. And if that means having hairy armpits or a moustache or whatever it means, it just I can have any expression I want to be myself. And, and I guess that was the whole point of the article, wasn't it? Absolutely. And also the whole conversation around not feeling shame. You know, if, if you want to express yourself in that way, that's your decision. And you shouldn't feel shame just because of other people's judgment. But you know what? What I love about the next generation of women coming up, the Gen Z women, they are standing up for this kind of conversation. Yeah. You know, one of the girls in the shoot, I think she ran the marathon, she put glitter on her pubes. She just hadn't, she hadn't, uh, <laughs> she had, you know, she hadn't waxed her pubic line, so she hadn't waxed her bikini line, and she realised it and she put glitter on it. And it was like, I'm going like this. Yeah. And it's like, good for you. How brave. I love it. I just love that attitude and the spirit of it. And I hope to bring my girls up like that. And I also hope to bring my son up to be accepting of it. How much balance do you have in your life now in comparison to before when you were doing 100%? That's a good question. Oh, 70%, of course. Um, (laughs) I think um, there's still moments when, you know, the other night I was on my phone a lot and my husband was like, you're not listening to anybody on your phone. So there are still moments when... 
I get engrossed in work and I'm, I'm not doing what I need to do. But on the whole, I think the fact that, you know, also, I also ask my boss for um, Friday afternoons off and I don't work in the office on Friday mornings. So one day a week, I drop off in the morning and I pick up in the afternoon. Oh. And for me, that's really important. That? Yeah, it's really important. Mm. Um, I personally don't want to do that every single day of the week, but I do love doing it one day a week. And it means a lot to me and it means a lot to my children. And that's what I said that to my boss. I said, it means so much to me. He said, fine. So it's important to have employers who are supportive of working mothers. Um, well, and, and recognising that, you know, your colleagues need certain things in their life in order to thrive at work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So go on. So the balance elsewhere, the balance, what about the, um, I'm really interested in sort of the emotional and mental balance because it sounded like you had to let go of so much, mm. which, 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 by the way, is extraordinary. I mm. mean, I work with women for, for a long time for them to be able to drop guilt and to mm. be able for them to drop um, shame or expectancy or, you know, all these things that they feel they have to do. Um, so how's the balance once you've dropped that? It's great. I feel free. You know, if you, if, you, if you don't worry about the judgment, I mean... I always had judgment as a working mum. I remember that, you know, it took me four and a half years to have my first child. I had really suffered from very bad infertility. And um, I remember when I finally had my son, I went back to work after six months. And a friend of mine turned around to me, was really judgmental and said, God, it took you so long to have these children and you've just run back to work again. Um, how do you feel about the fact that an, another woman is bringing up your child? Um, and oh she, God, was, she was talking about my me. nanny. You know, there's always been judgment, and it really, I was so upset when she said that to me. I was devastated, actually. Um, but now I just don't care what anyone else thinks. I just don't care. Yeah. Because, you know, half the time people are projecting onto you their own issues. Yeah. Actually, she didn't work for years, and now she's gone back to work, and I'd say she's much happier. So who knows what's... You don't know where it's coming from in somebody else. Um, and I don't know. You can't worry about what other people think about you. And that's part of this article was saying, you know, 30% of people who meet you probably don't like you very much. Once you accept that fact, <laughs> it's great. So like, it's, it's great. To swallow. It's great. I love it. I just think, okay, you don't like me. What can I do about it? I can't do anything about it. You don't like me. I've never done anything to you. I'm just not your kind of person. Yeah. And well, they might be intimidated by you. Maybe. As well. I maybe. mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to like cushion it. Yes, but, maybe. You know, you, you've got a lot going on. Maybe. You're an impressive woman. So Thank I, you. Well, you are. I don't, I don't always feel like that, but thank you. No, you no know. woman bloody does. Yeah. That's half yeah. our problem. Yeah. But you are. And, you know, you've got an incredible job. You've got a beautiful family, a beautiful home. Like, why someone who is or feels and sees himself as less than will, unfortunately, be intimidated by all of that. I think, you know what, I'm very aware of that fact and the way that other women are perceived to look. And actually, I think I'm always very honest about things in the sense that I was very honest about my infertility. I wrote yeah. about it, had six failed rounds of IVF. And I think it's really important to share with other women, no matter what things look like on the outside, everybody is suffering in one way or another. Mm. People just don't know what that is. So for years, that I was trying for a baby everyone's thought oh well she's got such a big career that's why she doesn't want a family she doesn't want children and it couldn't have well, been they, further they, it couldn't have been further from the truth well they have to put you in a box yes, yes don't they yes we still have to do that yes. unfortunately i remember seeing you um i don't know it was probably about a year ago now wasn't it at the um some charity event that we were both speaking at 
Anyway, oh, you, yes, yeah, I yeah. can't remember what the yes, title was now. Yeah. Anyway, it was it was all about social media, and can I just say to anyone listening at home, Deborah spoke with honesty and authenticity and absolute. She was so relatable. You moved me to tears. Well, because it was so, it was so um, refreshing to see some a woman in your position being human. <laughs> Well, I think it's what you were just saying, you know, I hate, I I really became conscious of this when I was going through infertility, the perception that I was giving out versus what the reality of my life was. Yeah. And I really thought about it at the time because people used to say... That's the pub, by the way. My pub's scratching (laughs) scratching itself. What are you doing? Um, I I really, so many people used to say to my friends, oh, she's not having children because um, she's so busy with her career. And I'd trained my friends to say, oh, yes, that's right, she's just so busy, because I was very private about it at the time. Didn't really want everybody knowing. Don't blame you. But the reality of the situation was, it was horrendous. I was going through constant IVF, and really struggling every time somebody had a baby. One of my friends told me they were pregnant. I, I was just devastated by the whole situation of not being able to have children. And... How could people not see what was really going on? Mm. Even though I hid it. Yeah. So I'd been married for five years. Why wouldn't I want to have a child? Yeah. Um, unless I didn't want children, but I desperately did. Um, and I became very aware that you have to show reality to people, not perfection. Oh, that's so beautiful. Mm. And actually the world in which we live is all based on the complete opposite. Yes, it, well, certainly with social media, you know, the images we put on social media are only our best moments. No one's showing you waking up in the morning and picking up your dog's shit in your kitchen, are they? I mean, nobody is. Oh, you said that in your talk. <laughs> no, you talked about nobody's, that. Nobody's, you know, my husband sometimes laughs and says, I'm going to take a photograph of you doing that. <laughs> what well, was it you said? People assume I wake up and have a manicure, but the truth uh, is I usually pick up uh, a poo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And it's true. And it's true. And I thought, the minute you opened it, I love this woman. Yeah, yeah, it's it's true. And that's, I think, one of the biggest problems with social media is that people actually believe the nonsense that they see on Instagram. And it's utter nonsense. Nobody is showing the truth on that platform. Do you know how much I have to coach on this? Oh, it's terrible. People... Oh, it's terrible. 90% of my ladies that I coach, this this is an area that we coach on, trying to get over the perception and the comparison, because that's all it is. I think it's terrible. I really, really have a major issue with it. I mean, I posted actually last year, I was very lucky, and one of the most exciting parts of my jobs is being invited to go to the fashion shows in Paris, and it was the Chanel show that day, and my dog had just died. I was in a taxi on the way to the show, and my husband called me up and said, "Um, your dog's died. And I was a mess. I couldn't stop crying. I'd had this dog since the first year I got married, He'd got me through my years of infertility. He was honestly like a baby to me. He was one of my children. I loved him so much. And I had to put on a brave face and go to this show, which I managed to do. I pulled myself together. And then my colleague's like, oh, let's take a picture of the show. It's so amazing. So there I am stood posing for an Instagram image. And as I'm posting, I'm thinking, I can't post this and not tell the truth. I can't post this and create envy in people that look at me, look how great I am at the Chanel show when the reality of the situation is I've been crying for hours so I posted it and the response I got was really amazing people saying thank you for reminding us that the images on this platform are not reality and I think that there's a massive mental health issue it's an epidemic I was talking to a doctor about it yesterday actually he was saying to me that the number of young people he sees coming in with mental health issues now is off the charts 
And I 100% attribute a lot of that to Instagram and yeah, social media and people believing what they see and feeling inadequate. And that's it's a very I love what sad you, situation. I love what you just said. What, am I going to post this and create envy yeah, in somebody else? Yeah, I'm not going to do else? that. No. 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 And I think that's why it's so imperative and that's why I'm so passionate about you know my message and what I try and bring for women so that we can be the generation to... Get it. Get our shit sorted. Come on, let's get together, girls. Let's sort ourselves out. Let's learn how to be ourselves. Let's learn how to accept ourselves. And let's let's really live from that so that the younger generations, and we can role model that, and the younger generations can understand, we'll be able to teach them because they need us to, because they are, cr- listen, I've got two daughters. My daughter, who's 11 and a half, and she's just started secondary school. It's a different ball game now. And the pressures that our parents would have had when we were growing up, like you said, they're not the same. No, it's not. And the parenting same. is it is a completely different era. The, the old rules do not apply, and basically, I, no one knows what the fuck they're doing. But you can only hope and pray that these kids are going to turn out okay. And I think that the way that we can do that is by getting our heads together and getting really clear and happy in in who we are. I really do. Well, I think that's why I love what you're doing because right. I think you're really trying to get those messages across and I think people want to hear it. It makes them feel better about themselves, which is what we all want in the end of the day. Well, to be honest, thank you. That means a lot coming from you. And when I picked up your magazine, um, I just I just thought, I am, I'm in love with this. <laughs> I'm in love with this because I know it's not aimed at me. I know I'm slightly the older bracket. What age group is it aimed at? Well, it's, meant, well, it's kind of 18 to 37, but to be honest with you, I think the messaging in there should be for every woman. Well, it spoke it, to me. It, 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 it's more about a mindset than an age, I would say. I'll tell you something. This mm. is something my girls will definitely be reading. Oh, they they nice. definitely will. Um, if you had... I mean, you've given us so much value anyway. If you had... Um, some words of advice for women who are struggling and who are burnt out what what is it you would say to them consciously drop some balls love it (laughs) (laughs) just drop them you know if you if it makes you feel anxious and you don't feel you can cope with it just don't do it you don't have to drop it forever just don't do it at the moment and don't be apologetic about it there's nothing wrong with saying I can't cope, or this is too much for me. It's absolutely fine to say that and to act upon it. It's a sign of strength. Yes. To be able to say, I actually need some help here. I need some help. Yeah. I need some help. Help me. These days, it is a sign of strength. And don't always expect everybody to understand straight away, because if you are always a very strong woman on the outside and people just expect you to keep going and carrying on, people might be quite shocked or surprised or belittle or yeah, yeah. just say, oh, you'll be fine, you're just having a bad day or you're all right, you, you know, you can cope with this, you're strong enough for this. You know, don't listen to them. Just say, no, I've reached my limit and I'm going to change my life in some way and I need your help. And some people will step forward and help you and others won't be able to understand. And that's fine. That, you know, Not everybody's going to be able to understand what you're going through. And to add to that, if I may, that actually share it with the people that you trust most. Share it with the people that you know that will support you and help you and see the best in you, I would say. Because it's yeah. not for everybody. You don't, no. have, you don't have to share those no. parts of yourself no. with absolutely everyone. It's very intimate and personal part yeah, that's why I've written it in a glamour for like hundreds of thousands of people to read it yeah you but know, you yeah. said yeah. before we jumped on here and started yeah. recording you said that you've had messages from people that have just been so grateful I for this have. article I was shocked you know t- I've written two articles in my life that have had a response like this one one was the one about IVF 
because I also felt very, very lonely when I was going through IVF. Yeah. I felt like it was just me. Nobody yeah. else had ever experienced infertility and certainly no one that I knew had gone through six foul rounds of IVF. Um, and the same when I had burnout, I didn't know anybody who was openly honest about the fact that they'd, they'd experienced burnout. And so in both cases, mm. I felt very lonely and very alone. Um, and it was nice to be able to write about it and then get the feedback that actually I was so far from alone. Yeah. And what a shame we're not all more open and honest with each other and talking about these things. I mean, you just said shivers down me. And actually, it's on my list for next week for my Facebook Live, but by this time it comes out, I probably would have done my Facebook Live, about how if there is something that you are experiencing as a woman, I promise you there are millions of other women that are experiencing it Yes, for it sure. Too. Well, that's what I've started to realise. Yeah. The, the letters that I got in both cases, and yeah. they, not just from women, from men as well by the way. Yay. I mean, with infertility, I got letters from men saying that they well, not do yay, with their wives. Men, yeah. men are struggling, but <laughs> yes, you know, that I men got are a lot of up. letters. I got a lot of letters around infertility from men. And in this case, so many women contacting me saying, thank you. Um, you know, I felt the pressure to be exactly that, everything to everybody all the time. And I just can't do it anymore. And I'm going to start living my best 70% life. Yeah. And we had a Glamour Beauty Festival last weekend in Manchester. So it looks totally and amazing. someone different. came up to me and said, I'm living my best 70% life. And I felt so happy. I was like, good for you. I'm so happy. How um, inspiring yeah, is it that? It was. It was great. It's really fantastic to get that feedback. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you yeah. for changing the face of glamour and speaking to us women in a way that we need to hear it. Oh, I really you. mean it. Thank I always you. like to um, finish off with a quote. And it's funny because I was starting to search for a quote or think about what I could say at the end. And actually I thought, oh my God, what am I doing? There's so many empowering quotes in the magazine um, that I've just read. So I'm going to say a few. One of them is, when the world tells you to shrink, expand. I mean, I just love that. Um and the next one is, sometimes just by being yourself is a radical act. When you occupy space in systems that weren't built for you, your authenticity is your activism. And how amazing is that? Thank you so much for being on here. I cannot tell you how grateful I am for your time. Oh, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. You have been listening to the Female in Podcast. I am your host, Nicole Goodman. Thank you so much for your time and for listening today. If you loved this podcast and found value in it, please go and subscribe, write a brilliant review, and go and share it with your friends who need a bit of femaling in their world. You can find me on all social media channels for more of my work, Instagram at Nicole Goodman underscore coach, Facebook, Nicole Goodman Women's Identity Coach, and you can also find my private Facebook group, all the magic and conversation happens with a really amazing community of women thank you again for joining me today this has been femaling i'll be back next week with another episode and remember it is the most exciting time to be a woman